0: This is just two individuals, maybe more, having a fucking conversation about uh, whatever we feel like, I guess.
1: And we'll have new topics every week, and, um. Honestly, fuck a formal introduction. Let's just get into it. I will warn you, though, it'll be improper. Mm-hmm. I'm an existential experience. And I'm
0: an anonymous nobody. We're two of the voices we will be hearing in this episode and those to come, alongside our guest for today, Fatima Jamal and co-producer, Patience Anna.
1: And in this episode, we'll be exploring the concept of sacred. We'll explore our own experiences of finding the virtuous question of what sacred really means from our own experiences and their impact. Faith basically um, the idea started as a digital magazine.
2: Um, it's like an arts and culture magazine, but rather than like focusing on trendy shit, I kind of wanted to put the attention more on like um, the ways that we yeah. as individuals have the potential to change the culture around us. Uh, so that's kind of like my central um, vision for the project in general. Um, right now it's kind of structured in a way that like every issue focuses on a different topic. So this first one is focused on the topic of the sacred. Um, for the next one, I'm thinking of centering it on like skate culture or like psychedelic culture or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, this is the podcast part of it, but there's also, um, the magazine part of it, which is going to be articles, interviews, questionnaires, stuff like that and um yeah that's uh that's about
3: it. That's about it. That's really amazing. Can I ask what prompted you to do this like what was your mm-hmm. reason behind I starting actually, this? uh
2: I had a dream like a year ago
3: wow I had a dream
2: that I was like running a magazine and I woke up I was like wow cool okay I could do that that's
3: all right (laughs) that's amazing that's That's a good enough reason honestly
0: (laughs) you just wake up like
3: but this is this is my life calling (laughs) pretty much pretty much literally came to you in a dream that's amazing yeah
2: yeah and then um I also just like like DIY shit like I like the idea of like being able to create like A professional looking publication with just like the resources around me and like the people around me. So, like, not having to rely on like anybody else to create something that looks really fucking solid. So, yeah, that's about it.
0: Creative independence.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the patience I knew was four years ago, but that I think really adds to your character. It makes sense knowing you (laughs) and the character Mm -hmm. that you were. (laughs) <laughs>
0: uh, let's get digging into the questions, I guess, uh, since I helped with the writing, I'll just start asking, why don't we uh, figure out a pattern on who wants to do this? Uh, anyone want to go first? And does anyone have a particular question that they wanted to jump into right away? Because we don't necessarily have to go one to A to Z. Let me open up real
2: quick. I don't Damn know. Really, Leo, <laughs> no, I have like my notes, but
0: Ladies I have
2: the and actual gentlemen, questions. Our producers here who, who the hell put this doubt. together, huh? And you're calling no. me unprepared. <sighs> I don't think so. It's I think the really
3: is really good, by the way. Because it's so yeah, like, like trade of thought that you can apply throughout, which I think is really nice.
0: Okay, well, then I guess in that part, we'll start with side A, question one. Uh, patio, since you're unprepared. Your punishment is going to be the start.
3: Stop being such a teacher. That's right? We are. Um, uh, you met my parents,
0: you know where I come from.
3: <sighs> Thanks. Love the energy. Okay,
0: <laughs> okay so uh, what prompted you to personally start your air quote spiritual journey?
2: Good question. Um, I think that for me it was mostly just like being in college like I was on my own and I didn't really know anybody and like it felt super isolating a lot of the time so I felt like I had to like ground myself in something bigger than me so I could kind of like recenter and find balance again so yeah
1: I think mine I I mean my spiritual journey was a little bit back and forth because I feel like we can't just put a specific time frame on when we have specific like specific like inset journey. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like throughout your childhood, you always have journeys like, okay, I'm gonna go to high school or you know, I'm gonna like you always have little visions, whether it's like figuring out what drawing you're gonna make or like just little moments, but they become way more in depth when you be like when you age. So I think for me it was actually this year, and it started during Ramadan. And for some people who don't know what Ramadan is, it's a fasting, a period of fasting for 30 days. For Islam, you kind of give yourself to God. And I wasn't really that religious, but um, I just woke up one morning at the exact time that it was like supposed to start. So that hunger and like the fact that you can't be on social media, you can't listen to music. It really just gave me time to be like, whoa, like, I'm more than just like myself. Like I'm an actual like being in this world doing actual things, and that's what really made me look at life on like a grand scheme, like hunger and the fact of like disconnecting yourself from the world actually makes you makes your like centers yourself more. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. And
0: uh, how do you think that played into like where tied into your spiritual awakening? Like I definitely understand from a perspective standpoint, but where did that sacred aspect like the spiritual connect?
1: So I was actually, um, so I was scrolling on YouTube and I stopped, which actually is going to go into the second question. And I stopped by um, a guru whose name was Sadhguru. And since I couldn't, like I deleted all my social media apps, I didn't have any like connection to like the technological world and he just kept saying a lot of things that were correlating to what was happening to me. So like I would wake up randomly between three and 4 a.m. and like reading like the Quran or like what he was saying as well, three to five, like three to 4 p.m. is kind of like that time, of like spiritual awakening. That's when like the spirits quote unquote or like your energy is kind of absorbed. So even if you get up to like use the bathroom or you get up to drink water, people who are on a path of enlightenment tend to wake up at those specific moments for just random reasons. And so that's when I started to like really dig deep and was like, okay, I think I'm going to like really try to focus and stay on this path. And that's what really like prompted that essence of sacredness is like, I wasn't the only one who was going through it. Like there are actual people who are older than me who know what I'm going through during this like specific time timeframe. Sounds
0: like a connection to a religious practice that was, you know, being shared by millions of individuals around the world that kind of, you know, drew back on you. Nice, Uh, Fahmy.
3: I really like what you said about like um, that disconnect. I feel like um, a spiritual journey is always triggered or stimulated by some sort of like either internal or um, external disconnect, um, which makes you introspect in some way, shape and form. And I think for me, mine, like patients, um, mine was definitely at the start of university. I think that disconnect from my status quo, um, I was so unfamiliar with, you know, the environment, the lifestyle, you know, being independent, being by myself um, and trying to like pave a path for myself in university. I felt like um, I needed to, I needed to build strength that, you know, I wasn't really exposed to when I was a kid. And when I was sheltered, you know, in Nigeria, um, which is where I lived, and I was born and raised, because, um, like, we have our families, and the culture over there is very, um, we're very, not sheltered from the real world, but we are because of, you know, very rightful reasons, such as security and whatnot, so when we're mm-hmm. out here um, in the real world by ourselves, we realize that there's a lot of strength as an individual you need to embody to make it, right, and to make it Um, in a very sane manner. Um, So yeah, I think mine started from just that like sudden shift into this new reality that I was so unfamiliar with. And it it was really having a negative toll on like my being and my perception of life and just my happiness. Um, And I really did not want to see me continue in such a way. Um, And I was very blessed to, I think that I don't believe in coincidences and I think you're exposed to certain people um, with reason in certain situations and I was blessed to have a friend who had just started his spiritual journey and who um, just started speaking to me about you know this this new enlightenment and this like you know this different genre of perception that I'd never known but i had always like resonated with and when he put that name to it you know he said it's a spiritual journey um he hit me with some good books that I started reading and that was that now it's Five, four and a half years later and here we are still still trying to do our best because we know it's non-stop exactly nice. actually
1: I actually had a question for um for you and patients I think that we'll like have the format of patients you can speak first and then since um Fatima you finished my yeah. question was do you guys feel like your loneliness that you attributed was actually a superpower like let's say you had had that security of um, having a huge entourage around you or just the familiarity of having that said individuals with a specific mindset do you feel like your spiritual journey would have been to like delayed
2: yeah I think absolutely yes because um, I think especially like early in your spiritual journey like you kind of have to like be very very sensitive to yourself um, and I know that I was like paying a lot of attention to like what I was thinking, the way I was thinking, and like the way that my thoughts would like then trigger my emotions. And so like being able to like just be by myself and like not have any like anybody around me like talking to me or whatever kind of gave me the room that I needed to like fully see where I was at in the moment. So I think that in a way, yeah, definitely.
3: And I definitely agree with her, but I think it's more so in hindsight, right? Because um, it's very subjective because I, patients and I, for example, were in that you know state of loneliness, and because we actively chose to change our perception and to view it as beauty as opposed to something that's um, detrimental to our beings, that's when we're able to see this as you know a blessing, um, which I definitely think that it was. But I think that it takes that initial, that just initial glimpse of what else it could be to understand that you know what that in itself is, is probably the most beautiful thing and probably one of the most necessary things one must go through, not necessarily loneliness, just, you know, alone time and just time to introspect. It's one of the most essential parts of, you know, this new perception, this realm of understanding the beauty of, of self-enlightenment. Um, So I would definitely agree with Patience on that.
2: And I think also, um I kind of like grew to appreciate um, like some of the symbolism that I'd been exposed to more, like how um, what Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights alone in the desert. Right. And in uh, in the tarot, there's a card, the hermit, if you're not familiar with the tarot, but um, the story behind it is basically that he has to go into the wilderness alone in order to find his own light. And um, yeah, I think that being able to like appreciate that alone time is like an essential part of what makes you appreciate everything else just a bit deeper
3: and I think that can really open so much conversation because like if I mean on a spiritual journey you learn that you know we are all interconnected this world we are the same energy just in different vessels and different capacities and degrees of actual depth in realizing that um and I think that when you realize that this is what we are you understand that I mean what we what we're exposed to is what we are we are all one and but you have to go through that you know like initial stage of of enlightenment really so definitely I agree with you with that
2: Marcos you've been pretty quiet
3: that's what I was gonna ask if you had anything (laughs) to
0: add um I guess referring back to uh I guess if I were to answer that question about Um, the alone time, because I definitely, um, you two patients and probably can definitely contest to the fact that I'm a hermit. (laughs) I like my alone time. I'm very introverted. Um, So yeah, it's always been something that's a struggle for me to understand people that Thrive off of social energy like that. And then, so going through that transition of being alone, like during isolation or something at times like this, like that's something transformative for them, but like very, you know, standard for me. So, my approach, kind of like the whole spiritual journey aspect, is very different. That's all.
1: Yeah. I actually like the fact that you added that because um, in, uh, in Hinduism, they have like the seven chakras. And they believe that in order for you to truly become one with yourself, you have to be able to spend like a significant amount of time by yourself because no one can truly understand you besides yourself. So the fact of you saying like, you know, I'm a hermit, it's, I feel like when you're on your spiritual journey, you relate to that because you're going through so many things that if you were to like to tell to people they would look at you like you were crazy like I remember having this conversation with my mom and I was like she was like she was thinking about something and I can know that she was thinking about something and I said it. I was like okay like that's what you're thinking about I'm like why are you thinking about that she goes like she was she was so taken back and she's like why like did I say something like how do you know that's what I'm thinking about I'm not I'm not thinking about that but people have like these emotions and their body function like they're like their body movements or just their overall facial expressions can let you know that they aren't feeling comfortable or they are feeling comfortable. And I looked at her screen, so I knew what she was thinking about. But you know, it's like it's like those little interactions with people that you need to be able to truly be on your own to become the person that you want to become and to see yourself in like for free for other people to truly be able to understand you, you have to understand yourself first. So, I definitely relate to that aloneness and the power of just being alone. i would say for sure,
3: yeah, yeah. I have um, a question that but I feel like it would bring up a whole nother conversation and we already have set questions. Um, so I don't know if I should, I'm just gonna say it, we don't have to shoot. talk about it, but um, just to challenge that, it's I like challenging things a lot. Um, I was just having this conversation today, which is why I wanna ask it is, but do you think that um, cause I think anyone on any sort of self enlightenment journey, like appreciates that solitude because you need solitude to actually get in touch with the energies of the world and your soul and your spirit, whatever you go by. But do you think that it can be dangerous?
1: It can be extremely dangerous because I used to be a huge social butterfly. Like I used to talk to everyone. I used to go to all the parties, always be in tune with everything. And that had so much damage to me because I didn't know how to function by myself. But now after this, like throughout this spiritual journey, I function so well by myself that I don't know how to function with other people because I'm picking up on so many different energies and so many people's like their own connections that I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to say what I'm thinking because I'm afraid that it's going to hurt them and essentially their ego. And when you go through a spiritual journey, like your ego isn't as fragile as other people's. (laughs) Like, you know, like I think that people who often go through spiritual journeys are the ones who crack the most jokes or make these like little questionable, little remarks that aren't supposed to be funny, but are because we just understand life on such a deeper scale. So I definitely agree with you. I think that it can be dangerous, but it depends to what extent, if, if I'm going to ask that question. Fair and point. I think
2: that like, for, for me, part of the reason that I started um, was that I was kind of like coming to terms with a lot of like the toxicity that I've been a part of in my life. And so for me, like part of the importance of choosing to be on a spiritual journey is so that way I can like contribute to other people's lives better. And so that like, when I am in contact with other people, like I'm not just spewing my own garbage at them. I'm like having, you know, intentional conversations. So I think that it's like, it's yeah. almost like contradictory to like, spend to like be completely alone on your spiritual journey because it's like, then you're not like sharing the gifts that you've found
3: with other people. And this is why I said that your questions go very well together in good order. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, if that's the case, uh... Do you think it's important to share what you've learned slash what you've experienced presumably with other people preferably face-to-face? Fuck
2: yes. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I think like you said, like there's definitely been a point for me where I was like I think I'm losing my fucking mind. <laughs> um, but then it's like when you like start connecting with people, you start seeing like okay, so it's not just me. Then it's like everything just kind of gets a little more okay. <laughs> so I think that like sharing can be important like just for your sanity. Like, so you know that you're not alone in this.
1: I'm gonna have to play the most advocate on that one.
0: I as well, and, but continue. Yeah. You,
1: you, you wanna go, you can go first, go ahead.
0: No, no, please be my guest.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's, ah, because the reason why I can agree with you but strongly disagree with you at the same time is because I've had these conversations with so many people that like, yeah, I'm spewing about like the energies or I'm talking to people about chakras or just so many different things that this like world has to give us. And people get me with the, yeah, I mean, totally. You're like, aren't you scared? Like, that's so scary. Like why would you want to know that on such a deep level versus having a conversation with one person or two people that I know that like, We can talk about freaking aliens or we can talk about like just the craziest things that I know that another person can relate to because they've had those questions. Some people are afraid to ask why, and they don't want to know the deeper rooted questions of why. And some people are just really content with knowing the few bare minimum that they know. And that's okay. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that, but on my personal level. I but on my personal level, I personally think that I'm good. Like, if you want to talk to me about it, go ahead. But I'm not going to go out of my way to have a conversation with you and dispute so much energy that I know that I'm not going to get back. Like that's draining, you know?
3: I definitely agree with you to to an extent. Um, Whereas the one reason I agree with you is because i think i think almost probably everyone who is on a on this spiritual journey has found themselves with someone who is not right and the the projection you get from them is just confusion you know it's just like what on earth are you on about um <clears throat> so i think that that's the difference that's why i agree with you is that some people just are not spiritually attuned and they're not spiritually you know amused or you know intrigued so for them this this notion of you know, chakras and energies and that it's it's just, it's in one ear and out the other because they don't resonate with it, right? Um, So that's where I do agree with you, but where I also disagree and kind of go with patience is for two reasons. One, I, um, as a result of my journey, and I think this way because of having received it from the world, um, I think that, you know, it's our duty on this earth to give, uh, Mm -hmm. to love and to care. I think fundamentally speaking, Um, If you think about, you know, anything, it stems from this human nature of love in the most vague sense, care and sharing. Um, It's also the basis of a lot of our of our uh, morals in general. Um, So I think that, you know, it's not that it's our duty, but sometimes um, people don't actually ask these questions or they're thinking about it, but it's not something that pops up in reality and sometimes you're sent on people's paths just to like clarify it for them. And I say that because that's happened to me so many times where I have this concentrated mind um, on a specific matter that has to do with spirituality or whatever. And, you know, I find myself having a conversation with a stranger like the next day or three hours later um, and they have something to offer that just resonates with what I was going through. And that's why I think that in this life, like we don't know who we're exposed to we don't know who's on what journey, right. But we can offer what we know um, but it's also about like you said which is why I agree with you you kind of know your energies and if you're like spiritually in tune you kind of feel other people's energies with this but what I like to live by now because I think I struggled with this before my spiritual journey was I used to argue um, but now I don't I'm not ever trying to prove a point I'm just trying to plant and see plant a seed in your head and that's like made the biggest difference with me I'm never out here trying to tell you oh no this is the way or this is Mm -mm. it's just to tell you that this is the information I would like to plant a seed of knowledge in your head what you do with it how you how you feed it how you water that thought is to your discretion but at least I've done my part in this world with my knowledge to have given it back as I I had once received it from somewhere and from someone
0: a lot of situations you know you end up you can transplant the seed but the soil is not yielding you know I myself definitely am of the variety that does not resonate with you know any of these uh, spiritual energies and stuff like that I mean from a scientific like yes entropy is the absolute of the universe so technically you're not wrong um but you know things like spiritual energies and stuff like that and like vibes of auras of people it's not of my alley and no tarot cards I'm ever the skeptic so you know from my point of view, like even every time the phrase spiritual journey is brought up in the conversation, there's like this little take in my head. It's just like, I think a more accurate statement for me would not necessarily be a spiritual journey, but I think that it would be coming to terms with the reality of your existence, just as a whole, uh, the process of it, really. Because you can.
3: Can I ask you a count- question? Go ahead. What, what for you defines the reality of your existence? Like when you say that, what is it that you you qualify as a reality, right? Because if you're speaking to someone spiritual, our reality is very different from someone who's just purely a human vessel.
1: Mm-hmm. Completely. case,
0: so If you're a religious individual, um, your reality revolves around the concept of faith, right?
3: right no, uh, no. Not, really. Yeah, not really yeah
1: because like i personally like i'm muslim and i practice mm-hmm. but i was not like this this is just this is just a shift that happened you know i obviously yeah. have my moments where i'm down but there's just there's connectivity so the only reason why i feel like i was able to practice or pray five times a day is because um there was another like religion that was closer to that that had the exact same like a vessel as Fatima uh, mm-hmm. was saying and um that like hinduism and that sufi muslim and the chakras and they just had a lot of points that connected so i wouldn't say that i'm i rely solely on faith i rely on spirituality and the pres like the presence of hope when you tell yourself that you're like you believe in something that's when you tend to actually see matters begin to Like happen. If you don't believe in them or it's just something that you're doing for the spare of the moment, then it doesn't stick. And that's what really happens to people as they go through that spiritual journey. They have moments where they're like, okay, you know, like it sticks. And then they have moments that don't. And that's what separates people from actually diving deeper is that level of do they believe or do they entrust in themselves to be able to like go deeper. And there's just some people who stop at a specific level. So I don't think that faith is the end-all be-all, but it's just a small little piece.
0: Well, then I suppose I, think, I probably should have used believe as a more accurate term, I guess.
1: hmm but also, to, yeah.
0: sorry, you can go first. Go ahead, no, go ahead.
2: All right, um, to add to what Sukaina said about like um, how like if you believe something that you're more likely to like see it out in the world, I think that um, part of a spiritual journey is like, or I mean, I guess what it is to me is also like opening yourself, To different levels of self-perception and kind of like I mean it's like okay we could sit here and you could say magic isn't real cool solid maybe for you but it's like to someone else in their subjective experience every time they've um, invoked the archangel Raphael then someone around them has been healed and so it's Mm -hmm. like the subjective experience I think is what makes spirituality is so important is because like i don't know what it's like to be you you don't know what it's like to be me and it's like of course we have like scientific measures and metrics of like you know you're this tall i'm this tall yada 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 um spirituality kind of enriches that subjective experience that you have with the universe and so i think that's why it's like so valuable and just so amazing because it's like you just don't get experiences like that from like watching tv or going to class but it's like if you actually like sit there and like talk to the universe and stuff like that. Like it's just so such a spectacular way of like seeing yourself as a living being within a living universe.
0: And that's I'm really glad you said that because that's exactly what like I was unironically perceiving when I mentioned like accepting the reality of like your existence, you know, like there's fundamental questions that apply for every single being on the planet that's sentient and everyone's perception of the question is different which means that their frame of reference of how they experience life is different so to me like something that doesn't I guess equals a spiritual journey would just be like how you choose to absorb information to deal with that fact and there's different ways to do it you know if you're born into like I was born into a Catholic family you know like a Latino, like, you know, the grandmas get crazy the older they get, you know, shit's interesting. Um, Anyway, I was born into that, and I was raised into it, but, like, pretty early on, you know, I had a couple questions, a couple arguments, and over time, I've come to, like, answers where the decision is basically, like, bad odds, so I, I don't want to take those. Um, so, for me, like, it wasn't anything regarding, like, chakras or... I do it definitely like Hinduism because one of the earlier questions about like your favorite philosophers, I would say Alan Watts would be a good one for me. I know it's very cliche, but you know, he is a very relatable translator of Eastern philosophies. Um, great boys too, man. Beautiful. <laughs> but um, so yeah, like I pretty early on, I don't know how or why I just gravitated towards philosophy. So for me, that's more of been like that journey. It's a... Uh, just taking pieces, like you were saying earlier, you know about um, how you likes liked and related to certain aspects of Hinduism and Islam, and you just kind of compiled them to, you know, fit what you felt, what you resonated with. And so for me, it's the same thing. Just from a philosophical point, it's just like there's questions and a couple of different answers at all. Blend into one funky little juice.
3: I think that's the beauty of like even the questions that are being asked because um which is why i asked you like what is what is your reality right because for you again everyone's spiritual journey is so subjective and yours for example has been philosophically driven um and that has kind of shaped what an acceptance of your reality is and how you progress in this journey of yours Mm -hmm. right um whereas i for example to answer the question of my favorite philosopher i sat down and i was like i don't even know one belief of one philosopher because like my reality with my spiritual journey has nothing to do with philosophy and philosophers and their beliefs right like and that's just I think the beauty of you know what's sacred to each individual and what for you defines this divinity and this you know this purpose of your life is that it's so different and you know at the end of the day I think we all take these different avenues to get to to some sort of self-enlightenment you know that I mean, between us four, everyone has used a different avenue. And here we are having a conversation that we can all nod our heads and agree with each other, right? Like we all get to some sort of like endpoint, but through these different realities and through these different like understandings and <clears throat> experiences that lead us here, you know. And I think that's that's really beautiful to hear, like to see the differences of what defines your acceptance of your reality versus patience and zucanus in mind, you know, I think that's very beautiful.
1: In the essence of philosophy, I, how you were saying, Fatima, that there's no specific, like, there's no specific philosopher that you can gravitate towards, or there's no one that you can really pull specific um, information towards, but do you feel like, I'm talking about even, like, the deep, dark-rooted, like, issues, like, like, the dark nights of the soul type issues, like, do you feel like those are things that you would like to, in essence, talk about with other people to form some sort of relatability?
3: Um, I also think that that is very um, subjective to someone's personality because, well, certain deep, dark-rooted issues, maybe, I mean, it really is subjective. Everyone has their own. I can't say, yeah, I could or I couldn't. Um, But I think that things that have hurt me, I like to, someone once said to me, he was like, he was like, the past is just a story now. He was like, it's just history. I can't, you know, dwell or, or reserve what I give the world and how I give the world based on how I felt in that moment, letting it feed into how I'm expressing myself now. And that really stuck with me because when he said the past is just a story, I was like, that's very true. You know, there's so many emotional ties to the past and some trauma maybe and some... So I can't say this for everyone, right? But in my life, how I've chosen to, to look at things is, you know, and I'm, I'm a firm believer of God. And my spiritual journey is interesting because I was born a Muslim, raised a Muslim. um, But I didn't practice in our typical Muslim way. Um, I wasn't the greatest Muslim. And then I came to uni, started a spiritual journey that's very uh, soul and universal, universally driven, and then attached it back to God. And now like, I'm a fully like I try my hardest to be the best Muslim that I could possibly be. Um, so I firmly believe that God has put me on a certain path in my life. And in the Quran, it says one of my favorite verses is uh, Allah does not burden, burden a soul beyond its capacity. Um, so when I link that to the fact that, you know, in this life, God has put me in these situations because he's trying to, like, and linking it to spirituality, he's trying to help me find my inner strength and that, that soul that resides in me. Um, i look at what he's put me through and i'm grateful that i've come out on this side in this way so what i've been through um again just becomes a story of growth if i perceive it to be that way therefore i i don't really have a lot of shame in sharing even some of my deepest and darkest of course again i also i gauge the energy like i'm not gonna just go say it's any tom Dick, and harry who like doesn't seem to get you know or like have any like a bone of empathy in their body right like you know who you can and who you can't like there's an element of the energetic trust that you can feel in people um, as well. Because again, that is very um, sensitive to me at the end of the day. But if let's say I was having a conversation that required a bit more depth or the dark side of let's say my experiences with people who would love to, like I feel their their urge to grow. Like I have no issues because again, life is but a story and God has put me there. God has brought me out Alhamdulillah and I'm here now. and so that's how I just kind of like I give because then I can receive, you know, and I love the the growth that can come from that, you know, f- both ways, you know, because they can offer me something again that I'll take back to my journey and my drawing board and it will make sense somewhere in there, you know. So that's how I see it.
0: Transactional, in a sense. <laughs> I right know. Um, I guess for me... That's a tough question. Um, I feel like I'm either on the side of, there's not much of a point considering just how different some people's perspectives are, you know, like for a lot of people, you can sit down for hours and try to explain to somebody why, you know, it really doesn't fucking matter if somebody's gay or not, you know, or like (laughs) whatever they want to choose to identify as like there's really why even bother trying to like expend energy to fight something that there's no point? Like it doesn't matter. It's it's whatever. And some people just refuse to do that. So it's like I would say this all 60% of the time with the people you meet nowadays. <laughs> there's no point, you know. Um, and when, at times like that, you know, me personally, phew, social interaction is exhausting. So I gotta I gotta choose my moments of shall we say teaching carefully you know <laughs> um, yeah so I guess it's important in the sense that like if you feel the need to be understood one to three friends is sufficient
1: <laughs> it's really it's really um funny that you mentioned that Marcos because I've had moments where okay I'm not I feel like of us being international students as well like, Do you guys ever have that feeling where you're, like, you're telling somebody about, like, your experience or just life that you've lived abroad or traveled and you notice this, it's not like an envy, but, like, you notice this, like, kind of tension of, like, oh, well, they think that they're better than me because of said so and said reason. When you're, like, just so used to having conversations with other people that have kind of had that same, uh, like, plethora as you and you notice yourself kind of seeping down to like, I'm not gonna say their intelligence because I feel like that's kind of mean, but like just kind of like their level in a sense that like, so say some, you're talking to someone about geography, right? And just a random country and like, they're like, oh, well, where's that? And then you get like, you try to explain and they say, but like, oh, well, like their, their level of economy must be terrible over there, just stuff like that and you kind of like deep diaper and you're like, well, no, this this and this reason. And you kind of notice that their level of interest or energy is diminishing. Then it goes back to that conversation of kind of picking your battles. Do you guys feel like it's better to engage in those conversations and kind of lose your energy or just let people think what they want to think? That makes sense.
3: Um, I think that i think with age and especially if you're if you're trying to be self-intuned you you know like you said you know when to pick your battles you know when to stop you know when um you've done your part and then if the rest is on their own discretion is to themselves and how they choose to perceive that i think that um ignorance coupled with arrogance is a very very a hard battle to fight um and you find that a lot with people who Again, like project that energy that you were talking about, Sukaina, so, okay, there's ignorance, but with the with the willingness to to actually expand their minds. and there's willing there, there's ignorance that's coupled to arrogance or prejudice or whatever it is that really just constrains people's minds to um, a very shallow understanding of anything greater than what they think. Um, and I think that through basic conversation, you can pick that up in anybody if you're just you know using your enlightenment to observe, engage the situation. Um, and I think that when you, and if you do see that, I think that you just learn at some point to gracefully remove yourself from that situation, but this is very subjective, I would gracefully remove myself from that situation, you know, maybe just reiterate my points and say, well, if we're going to agree to disagree, or um, clearly we don't see things in the same way, but I'm not, you can't enforce something into someone's, you know, logic and way of perceiving this life, right, so I think that I would yeah, I wouldn't invest any more of my energy because some people are just resistant um, and it's not your duty to change that. Like I said earlier, I think that I think that's what's really helped me because I'm a very, um, I love debate. I love arguing. I love having these really like, you know, devil advocate conversations, um, but they can go wrong sometimes. They, they can go very, very wrong. And I think that what has really helped me is just to understand that you can't change anybody's mind. If someone thinks one plus one is four and they're adamant, just explain why one plus one in your eyes are two plant the seed in their head and that's that's your only job you know and ever since I came to that just planting a seed in someone's head you know it's it's really just helped me again pick my battles a bit more carefully and gauge situations more appropriately
2: you put it a lot more eloquently than I was gonna say it I was gonna say yo fuck them if they feel stupid because of something I said that is not my problem but yeah what <laughs> do you said? It.
0: You just going out guns blazing and Fatma It's like, you know, you got to be <laughs> gentle with it. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Generally, I feel like there's two good rules for picking an argument. One, um, are they informed? And two, are you informed? Um, and if either of those are no's, then just don't really try and fuck with it. You know, you can entertain it, you know, if you want to, you know tickle the pickle a little bit but like (laughs) don't waste your time on that shit (laughs) you know that's that's all yeah so I guess we should probably dive into another question then um I feel like what was saying earlier about like how things can that side of like it can go wrong and those kinds of arguments kind of led into one of the side b questions about like where the tipping scale of like beliefs becomes to the point where like enforcing yours on theirs is, or theirs on yours is valid or kind of a gray area, you know? Because I feel like there are certain aspects of like, like we can say more orthodox religion and belief of like, you know, sexualities and, you know, certain types of sins and prejudices should be and have very based arguments that can be made where they should be adjusted you know so where does that point kind of like step in where you start to question sanctity and you know the idea of holiness and like the ru- the rules that they put on morality
2: um Open i know question. that for me generally um i just think that nobody has the right really to make decisions for other people like your belief begin and end with you so it's like to try to say that what someone else does with their life is right or wrong just isn't really you know in anyone's capacity to do um and in terms of like I there are definitely times where I find myself kind of thinking like oh man if only you believe what I believe then you could be doing something so much better but um again like it's it's just not my place to do that so I try to um I don't know I'll be successful at it but I do try to like reel it in a little because it's like if they're not Coming to me asking specifically for my help or like asking specifically for my opinion in regards to that belief, then I have no right to tell them what's right or wrong. Like, that's just, <laughs> that's not my place to judge.
0: You read any exceptions in the past where you were a little uh, forceful with it, you know, a little heavy handed? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm just asking out of, you know, entertainment's sake
3: um I think that I think there and this this also goes back to um another question of like what's sacred to somebody there's so many things that could be sacred to somebody how uh I could be a feminist and that like I hold that to my heart you know um and there's somebody else out there who maybe I, I don't know what their views I don't want to use feminism because I I'm not and I, like I'm not I don't know too much about it um but like in anything that you have two opposing views or you just clash. Um, I've learned that, you know, what, how I am is, this is my journey at the end of the day. Um, and this is, this is how far I've come with myself and I've tried to open my heart and my mind in a way that, that enhances my growth. Um, and I think that again, I have to just link, you know, the religious side of me, um, that in this life, there is no greater judge than God himself. Um, when I understand that I'm nothing but his creator, like it humbles me to understand that Fatima, like shut up, basically, like there's nothing, like you, like at the end of the day, you and your opinion and your judgment on someone else is nothing and should not exist. Um, So I always just try to control myself in situations of, um, if let's say I disaccept what somebody else is doing or whatever it is, it's not my journey at the end of the day. Um, I am only responsible for myself and that is I can always, again, try to plant a seed in someone else's mind, but I can no way now go and judge somebody else for their journey. It's like we always say in, in my language, say it's there in the hands of God, like you there's nothing you can do if that's not the point that they're at, which is the, the element of understanding. If they're not there. They're not there. And um, if you disagree, I don't think anyone's sacredness can ever and is ever justifiable to kind of condescend anyone else's. Um, whatever it is you believe, everybody. I think you are your own individuals, um, and you are your on your own set journeys, and that's what matters. You cannot take your journey and try to dictate somebody else's. I don't think that's that's our purpose in this world.
1: Okay, so that actually goes into another question that was on. So I've noticed you say sacred a lot, and I feel like we all of us have been using sacred a lot. So can someone explain what sacred really means to them?
0: Big question, huh? (laughs) That was a good question.
3: (laughs) That is a very good question. (laughs) Um, I'll
1: start first. So for me, it's like just the overall concept of something being sacred and in French is, so just like the obsolete, version of something that you know to be precious. So with that being said, it's I, my body, my mind and my spirit are what's sacred to me. No one, well, I won't allow anyone to, to kind of manipulate those three things conscientiously of course, subconsciously it may happen and I'm not aware of it. Like I was I was actually talking to patients earlier about um, nicotine and how I'm so happy that I have leaned off of nicotine because it was having such a terrible sub, like it had such a terrible, like it, it put my body in such a terrible state and I didn't realize it, but I just kept doing it. I woke up in the morning and the first thing I thought was, where's my nicotine? Or even before breakfast, like that's the first thing I'm gonna do. And knowing that that had such a strong hold over me And I used to cherish that on such a sacred level made me really put into perspective what is really sacred and what really isn't. So knowing that um, my spirituality, my religion, my mental state, and kind of just living. Oh, another thing, the presence like is extremely sacred to me. Like the most, like the holiest thing on earth right now is living for now instead of living for later. And with that being said, that's, another thing that ties into the whole aspect of something being sacred is treasuring just the littlest things. It might not be that big to somebody else, but they are to me, even if it's just 30 minute meditation or me um, performing wudu, which is uh, like cleansing your body before praying, just those little things are extremely sacred to me. And the ability to have like to be able to do that when so many people are focused on (laughs) how much likes they're getting on Instagram or what like position to place their body when taking a picture. And that's what they view as sacred. And I just know and believe that I don't want that to seep into my subconscious. So I don't allow it to. And so that's what I think sacred is to me. If anybody else has anything to add.
3: Can I really, uh, I'd like to add on, I like how you used, um, something very earthly and um very different to what you know we would probably refer to as sacred because I think somewhere you asked and can something be sacred without necessarily being spiritual um and the fact that you used someone's Instagram likes or whatever you know that that's the answer it could be right and I I really like that you see that to everybody um again sacred is very subjective and something that you hold dear to you there's a lot of respect to to it from you and your beliefs in your just existence um and just because we happen to be on that spiritual journey so we hold more i can't say more because who's to take away from someone else's uh whatever their whatever is sacred to them but something that's higher than us um that's greater than the human experience as sacred doesn't necessarily take away from somebody else's sacredness um but yeah so just to add on that i think that it's very subjective i think sacred is something that you hold uh to like you hold very dear to you it's of great value um it's highly respected in your existence not necessarily just your beliefs it's your existence um it's a motivation. It's a stimulus, um, and yeah, it's just it's it's impressionable on you. I think that that's when something is is truly sacred. And from a very subjective point of view, I think, and to add on you kind of Sakina, I think it's 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 greater than just us. You know, it it attributes to something greater than the human experience. Um, so you said for example that's you do that because you're about to go and pray or to read the quran you know like that's something that is greater than you um and for me like my god is sacred my my solitude is sacred i need that i need my morning routine is a sacred. like for me it's so important and that's just because i do that for me but also for greater than me it's my it's my time to connect to that world to the universe to my god um so yeah just kind of two questions in one but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, i think for me it's, it's kind of like you said
2: that it's um about something like greater than you um i think for me something that i hold is like pretty sacred is like nature um because <laughs> i had this conversation with marcus once about like if there's one sin that i would definitely go to hell for it's pride uh because i (laughs) it's like it may not always seem like it but i got a big fucking ego and so like being in nature (laughs) (laughs) and so like being in nature is like such a humbling experience because it's like trees have been existing on this planet for so much longer than we have and it's just like i don't know kind of fucking spectacular to me because it's like my experience my my life is so human-centric that like to be reminded that, like, hey, you're gonna die in like a couple decades and nothing you do will matter all that much in the grand scheme of things. It's like And the okay, trees will
0: still be, cool. there. The yeah, will exactly.
2: be there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of what sacredness means to me. It's kind of like remembering that you're just a small part of something that's larger than you could ever possibly conceptualize. Never. Uh,
0: yeah.
3: I, yeah. <laughs> Can I just uh, say okay. sorry, go ahead, Marcos.
0: No, I, I was
3: just saying, 100% agree. <laughs> I just wanted to, I just wanted to really commend that word, human centric. I think that, that one of my favorite quotes is, um, very subjective. I don't know if Marcos might agree, but, um, is that we're not human beings on a spiritual journey; we're spiritual beings on a human journey. Human journey. Um, and I said this to you, Marcos. We were having a conversation a few days ago about how we get so caught up in the earthly, um the earthy biology of things you know be it the feelings the thoughts the stress whatever it is we're so you know engulfed in that human-centric experience that we forget to feed back to what's sacred to us and you know to each person subjectively right and I think that um holding what's sacred to you sacredly like you know with dear value and just like trying to keep in tune with it, you know, really helps you live that spiritual journey through this human experience.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I agree. And it's, it's weird because, um, i remember patients who said that, um, doesn't matter that like, we're going to die in a few decades. And it's like, is like, is our perception of time something that another thing that we hold sacred or not? Cause like we could all die tomorrow. Like there could be a huge ecological problem that requires us all dying tomorrow. And that factor of like knowing when it, like when is not necessarily our time, but did you do everything that you were supposed to do in your physical body for the afterlife or your after conscience or I, I don't know if some people believe in the afterlife or just your your subconscious like if you were to look back now at this very moment would you be proud of who you are what you did or what you were planning on doing those are really the questions that I think that I also hold sacred to me No, know if that's objective but I'm always struggling to live in the now because our now is so temporary and so is our future so what do we really have to look on besides our past so I don't know if that's a little off topic but that's my those are actually
0: really good questions though man yeah.
1: that's my it's my little shadow if you guys have anything to add on that like what do you guys think if anybody wants to play the devil's advocate so you think
0: sanctity is like answering those three questions with like passing de- grades exactly you are what you do and what you wanted to do Mm -hmm. you can take those boxes that sanctity completed
1: yep sort of well not completed it's like a pursuit yeah that's because i just think that that's what life is it's just a pursuit at the end of the day pursuit of happiness a pursuit of will a pursuit of letting go of your ego your pursuit of just acceptance of everything that really is around you once you really are able to on, like in French, we say "canaliser," which means to um, hone in on all of those aspects. Like, I feel like you just become such a better human being because, like, um, like when the Quran says, and there's a lot of there's a lot of hadiths in the Quran that you're not living for yourself. You're living um, a purpose and a fulfillment that was given to you for the afterlife and Just that overall question that I don't think that, like every time I ask somebody that like that question, like, are you happy? Are you doing what you're wanting to do? Did you set out what you were supposed to do six months ago now? If not, like, if you are, that's great. How can that be better? Or if you aren't, what's stopping you? Or what did stop you? And people always have an issue responding because they kind of settle on this guilt where they're just like, damn. Shit, I didn't do anything. Like, or they do. Wow, I did great. And there's just always that human connection and that human emotion. So, like, my question to you guys would be: Are you happy where you are right now, spiritually, mentally, and physically?
2: I yeah. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's shame,
3: I, I I think I'm grateful. Um, i think i think that happiness is yeah i i think i'm I'm just always grateful and i always try to be grateful and that breeds a sense of satisfaction and happiness um i don't think happiness is i don't think you can just be happy right like it's like asking me are are you angry i'm not always angry right at the end of the day i'm a human being so even the question like are you happy i'm grateful I, i have times that i'm very happy but because I'm human, um, I I will have times that I am very angry or very tired, whatever it is, right? So I think holistically speaking, um, happiness is not the word I would define. I would say I'm very grateful for where I am and what I've experienced and the perception that I can have and understanding that, you know what, I can be happy, but I also can be sad and I can be angry, but how do I always get back to the point of gratitude through everything? Because I think that, that's what i try to be more um even through the journey of even just being uh, practicing you know whatever it is on my spiritual journey my meditations my prayers whatever it is it's to embody gratitude because i think that that's that's the stimulus that breeds happiness that's the stimulus that breeds satisfaction that's the stimulus that breeds peace um so yeah i hope that answers your question it does actually
2: great answer
3: yeah because
1: um in, I'm gonna go back to Islam and Hinduism, of course. Um, one of like one things that, um, that you're just like, well in Hinduism that you're really supposed to focus on is gratitude. Mm. And even though I'll have moments in my day or mo- just especially post-grad where I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? And then I go back to my center and I'm like, I'm breathing, I'm living, I have a roof over my head. Like just a- those little things made me really focus on my journey and what I wanted to do and it's like okay now I kind of know what I want to do but without me like having that moment of saying alhamdulillah or thank you like you know I'm grateful like I'm okay I'm, I'm like I'm living I'm okay you know I could have cancer just a lot of comparing things that could be so much more worse and going back down a level and realizing that like you're okay you're breathing like just as you said gratitude it really made me focus on that aspect of I am happy because I'm grateful. And that's just really what matters to me personally.
3: Can I, can I say a very beautiful um, sentence that someone said to me this summer? He said, alhamdulillah, that money is my, my only problem. And when he said that, my mind just went, Pugh. he was like, I am grateful that money, if money is my only problem in this world, alhamdulillah. And that just, it slapped me because I was like, wow. I was like, if you think about it, like if that's really our strongest like pursuit, post-grad, what is it? You need to get a job. You need to get your life together. You need to make right. money, make a living, right? That's really where probably you are at because that's where I'm at. And I'm just very confused, you know? And it's like, I'm grateful if that's my biggest problem because it means that there's so much else in this world that is going right. That is not consuming me otherwise um and i think that again appreciating it's like you have one problem just think about the, all the other reasons why you shouldn't be upset about it you know as cliche as that advice is it's really true you know no
1: it is because i'm actually gonna i'm gonna piggyback off of that story because wow it actually connects to a story that i just thought about because of the fact that you said that mm-hmm. um someone told me um so he he went to go and see an imam and the imam says. He starts crying and he's like why are you crying he goes because God gave me God has not given me any problems that means he doesn't love me God obviously Allah gives issues and problems to people that he loves why do I have no problems I have no problems he woke up the next morning <laughs> he tripped over something and he broke his leg the first thing he did is he started laughing and he said finally I have a problem and that, and then like, it just shows like that recognition and that gratefulness that you having problems doesn't mean that it, like it's the end all be all. Like mm-hmm. I actually am very grateful that I have those problems, whether it be overthinking or just following the next step. There are people who don't have any problems and good, good things often happen. like bad things or complicated things often happen to good people and good things happen to terrible people. That doesn't mean that one person is better than the other. It's just like a kind of like a manipulation tactic of strongest versus the weakest. And I feel like often the strongest people are the ones who often have such problems and such issues. And I'm not talking about, okay, what Prada bag do I have to choose from or what shoe I'm supposed to wear, but mostly the bigger grand scheme questions of where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Who am I? Those Large defining questions are things that people spend a lifetime trying to find. And when you finally get one step closer or just like that millist step closer, it makes you like, it's just like I said, a spiritual awakening. I'm pretty sure that a lot of you guys, I don't know, have you guys have that, have had that moment where you're just stuck in limbo, where like your spiritual journey, your spiritual awakening has just, like it's just come to a halt. Like you're just like, you're just stuck. Like there's no going up, there's no going down. You're just like stuck and it's kind of troubling. So I just want to know if you guys have ever like have that, have experienced that. We're just kind of in limbo.
3: Definitely. Um, I would
0: say sometimes I would get complacent in finding schools of thought and think, oh, this answers most of my questions. I'm satisfied for now, but you know itch always comes back so you got to keep asking more questions and then eventually you shake things up so limbo i would say funk but never limbo yeah Spirituality/slash philosophy uh, be subjects in secondary education, like core? Because we were talking on the subjects of, like, do you think it's important to, you know, talk to other people about this? And I think at least half of us would say that it has its merits.
3: Mm -hmm. So,
0: in like a more.
3: I think that the subjects, spirituality, philosophy, and psychology, are very different. I think that's something that. Like, there are a lot of interconnections, but um, each one has its own like syllabus, to put it, you know, academically. Um, and I would say that um, two of the three are very like objective and one is quite subjective. Um, and I would say that philosophy and psychology are quite objective and could be taught and explored. However, I think spirituality is very subjective Um, and as we're we're four in this zoom call and look at how different our spiritual journeys have been and how where each one stems from you know and i think that i personally think that spirituality can't be taught it can be you can expose people to it Um, and i think yeah and i think you could do that through philosophy and psychology however i don't think that there's there's a syllabus to that because you, for example, Marcos. You, you, yours stemmed from philosophy. Mine stemmed from, I don't even know what mine stemmed from. Just stemmed from reading, and just my personal like soul. Like I could feel my own soul, you know. And I don't think that you can teach someone to do that, you know. Or you can teach someone to. If I went to school and let's say um, the teacher, because there's also that you have to remember the teacher's own bias, right? That really, and that also goes in with the one of the questions. I don't know which one. It's like that can also very much influence how something is taught. Um, so if they have a very spiritual class that's philosophically based, that doesn't resonate with me in any way, shape, and form, right? So I don't think you can teach that. I think you can teach around the subject, but not necessarily directly spirituality. But the other ones I think you can learn a lot from it and you can you can grow from that, you know. But I think doesn't you
0: think that's something that let's say for the sake of like chop spirituality out of the question and say like psychology and philosophy do you think other things that should be taught in schools
3: I think definitely I think that these are things that because there's academics and there's life right and I think that psychology and philosophy are very um they're more life-based and they, they get you more in tune with the great greater than algebra and biology things that kids might not ever use again in their lives you know Whereas think about this, I studied nutrition, Marcus, you do science as well. And patients that's okay, I have no idea, but I don't think it's philosophy or psychology. Well, it could be psychology, actually, I don't know. But um, here we are all, you know, actually having a conversation um, that can be driven from philosophy or can be driven from psychology. You know, so those are things that I think it would be good to like, just have kids know as well. You know, if you tell me what's the square root of this, I know what you're talking about. Because we did that. So if you could teach kids or just, you know, plant that seed in them from a young age of just understanding that these are conversations you might have in the future that you might actually grow from a lot more than, you know, your algebra class or your geometry class. That, I think that's quite essential. Can I play a little bit of Devils? Oh, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna ask if I can
1: play um, a little bit of Devils advocate to that. And I disagree with you a little bit because I studied, I did communications and I also did international communications. And there are schools, for example, Buddhism, monks. They learn all three of those aspects. They learn philosophy, psychology, um, and I forgot well, what was the what was the third topic that we my mind my mind raised Oh, and spirituality. Exactly. So, and there they learn those aspects at even just the youngest age of six or ten or sixteen. And they learn through these like through these Buddhist philosophers or um, like psychologists, they learn how to control that their body, their mind and their spirits. And they teach those to children at a very young age. And when you choose to become a monk, that's your whole life, you know? You sit down, that's come your practice. They believe that as well as in Hinduism, you start by shaving your head and shaving your head is a center to your body. You gain more knowledge and you're not as attached to um, the status quo of hair or beauty. And learning that like learning that at a very young age has a, a substantial amount of growth the older that you get. So that was their secondary education. They chose that. Mm-hmm. So I think that it is a strong root, and it is very much possible to be able to learn all three of those aspects. Now, not in a Western frame, if that's where the question was leading towards, but um, yeah, and and there are, there are a lot of other practices that aren't exposed in the Western world that yeah. are heavily, 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 heavily looked upon. So I disagree with that and question. I, th- I think I mean disagree with your answer. <laughs> I think that it's it, it can be implemented in secondary education.
0: I also agree. Yeah, I mean I think that education can ideally and realistically would be used to teach those two and then to encourage exploration of spirituality. But I think it's also, in an idyllic sense, very possible to teach those three core fundaments within education, I mean, assuming you have access to different types of, think it's it's belief systems.
3: That you, like, it's really nice that you actually pointed that out. Um, Specifically, you said like the Western uh, form of education. I Mm -hmm. think that, the The current educational system around the world is very driven in that Western structure or that European structure, name it, whatever. Um, and I think that you know we're so we're so used to that that conventional method. and I do think you're right that you know there are schools out there um, and there are children out there who their lifestyle and their education is is driven by these things, right? Um, which is quite ideal, you know. I think that's that's where you definitely make sense, and where my question was stemmed from is, you know, working with what we currently have. Like, if we were actually to implement a change right now in what exists in this current society, how could we do that? What is what is more suitable, and what wouldn't be, right? Because I think if I if I was to have open a school, I think I would want to include some sort of, you know, elements of these uh, this journey, um, but at the same time we are in the 21st century and I would also want to teach the kids algebra and math so they can get accredited and go to the universities right because that yeah so
0: okay but like the question wasn't framed it was like as in substitution of algebra and math like that shit's you know it's algebra and math you know it's it's hard science apparently we do know I'm a proponent of the hard sciences so like I definitely agree like yes those are essential and I don't think they should be substituted in any way shape or form but I definitely think that like they can be you know incorporated, merged, incorporated in like yeah, definitely. some kids just don't like I think PE is something that should be taken for like you know, general health <laughs> but like if you don't really want to take fucking PE then I guess you know that can be swapped out like if you I, You're you have to be taught economics, I but I think personal agreed. economics. I think you need to stop <laughs> teaching all this macro, micro fucking bullshit in high school. Teach somebody how to balance a checkbook, how to open a credit account, how fucking savings and 401ks work, you know. Educate people on how to fucking live.
1: and just throw them into
0: the sharks when they're 18.
1: Okay, but what happens if there's a kid who's dyslexic and terrible at numbers but is a Picasso? Are you going to focalize more on his mathematical abilities and drain out his potential to be the next Picasso? So like, that's where like, you see, like I, I understand that it's essential. Like I'm, everybody needs to learn how to mm-hmm. bounce book. Like, everybody needs to learn how to do it for okay if you want to succeed in this world, but he can be a Picasso so he can pay somebody to do that in a sense, you know?
3: Oh um, well, yeah, but he
2: shouldn't no. be mathematically illiterate. Like that's
3: no. just. <laughs> like, can I also say something that we're all like very biased towards? I think to get out. Did you also go to an American school?
1: Um, I, I mean, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Because there are a lot of systems that actually are not driven by you have to go. Like you can choose what um, path you take. Even the I don't know. It's not the IB. I think it's the other one, the British one. Um what is it called? I have no idea. They take that exam, GCSEs, that one, that one, you pick what you would like to go into because of, you know, it's your choice really. So um, I think from speaking from a very American educational point of view, that's where we're wrong. You know, that's where, you know, we do. And it's a huge thing, but this is a whole nother debate and conversation, by the way, the educational system. Let me say that. Uh, Because yeah, like there's a lot of suppression that goes into that. Um, the way things are, it builds us to know certain things for sure, but it also very much can, and even on the topic of spirituality, suppress certain things or neglect certain things that are actually the fundamental of existence, you know, such as yeah. passion, such as, such as enlightenment, such as all these different things that we are definitely not taught in our American systems. We touch base on, or if you speak to enlightened teachers, you could learn from them, <clears throat> yeah. but you know, like, otherwise it's just, you're in the deep end of
2: yeah i think that at the very like bottom line we should at least have like a religion class where you're like learning about like different religious systems in the world and like belief yeah. systems because it's shocking how ignorant people still are to like other religion it's like uh, um for example i know like christians and muslims it's like i like a nigerian christian might know like absolutely nothing about islam even though they live in a country where like
3: There's you no- know your
2: best friend is probably muslim or something like that so i think that like at the very least should at least have like
3: And I I definitely agree with that just because um, I owe a lot back up to like who I am and my understanding, my acceptance of each person's, you know, sacred back to the fact that I was a Muslim who was in a very Christian school, like fully church on Wednesdays, singing all the hymns, Jesus Christ is the son of God. And I fully respected that because that was the environment that I was built in and I saw the love that that built in the Christians around me, but at the end of the day, I went to when I prayed five times a day. Do you get what I mean? Like, so having that exposure and understanding um, really breeds a lot of like, just it opens your mind. Really, you don't have a choice because you are literally one thing at home and have to conform and not. You just have to accept, you know, another for who they are, and just having to do that on a daily basis. Not necessarily, it shouldn't be like that. I'm just saying, having the exposure to all religions and just understanding really like makes you open your mind so I definitely agree with you on that for sure for sure
0: yeah um damn I think that might be everything
2: then uh uh there's one more um I was actually gonna say yeah um it kind of related to like what you said earlier um about like you know just like how being open-minded to other religions can kind of like change your I don't know view of the world um, and I definitely think that, like, if I hadn't been exposed to other religions apart from Christianity, <laughs> then, like, maybe I might just say Christian. But it's, like, it's the fact that, um, you know, the Christians that raised me were, like, so adamant about, like, denying the validity of other religions that I was just, like, um, I don't know if this makes, if this makes sense to me. Because the way that I see it, I think that, like, God is, like, a singular entity and, like, people are just, like, seeing the same thing differently because of their cultural experiences and so that's kind of the part of the reason i spread from christianity because they were like well if they don't believe in jesus then they're praying to the devil and i was like that's, bullshit. <laughs> that's kind they, of bullshit they
0: need to be educated
3: yeah
0: yeah no it's interesting for sure i mean everybody has respect for different religions in different regards I mean, and
3: i yeah and i view really
0: equality nice. of religion is kind of like weird joke because it makes like a a laughable amount of sense (laughs) that's just how i view, like you know technically you know people say being an agnostic is just a a lazy man's atheist but um i think i got a pretty strong argument for agnosticism and it's pretty good joke too so (laughs) yeah and i think that that,
3: i think that that's um that's part of a journey right um even like i don't know so you can agree or maybe uh play the devil devil's advocate with what i'm about to say but um religion is a choice your path not religion your sacred path is a choice right like i was i was born a muslim went to a christian school um but like i said earlier i wasn't i wasn't the best of muslims like did i pray every single day five times a day i most definitely did not you know did i have that will to be the better Muslim? No, I definitely did not. And I think that um, through my own individual path uh, and my own experiences, I realized that my religion is my own. Um, We practice the same things, but mine is mine, right? And how, let's say, I perceive it's not necessarily how my father perceives it, for example. Um, But having to come to, like, I think I, I straight away, and then I reverted back just because I made sense of religion and what suits me, um, but also because I always resonated with, with my God fear. I always resonated with the awareness of God. Ever since I was a child, I just feel connected, and I always have. Um, again, very subjective. However, I think that that growth in a certain direction—be it you strayed and you found something else that works for you—it's a choice, and you cannot impose anything on any child, on any person, um, and it's at your own pace. To get to a certain point. And I think that for everybody, like again, in this group call, like we're, we're different religions, different perceptions, but it works for us in our paths. And I think that that is what matters. And I think that each of us is put on our certain paths for, you know, the higher being certain reasons, you know, and that, that is the essence of our journeys, not what we were born into, but what we've become through time.
1: I most definitely agree, like, word for word. Um, personally, <laughs> me now compared to who I was, like, even six months from now, or 10 months from now is completely different. So that goes on to, I've, I've, I'm i not even I'm, I will go as far as say I was a terrible Muslim, like, didn't didn't care for praying didn't care for It's not that I didn't care for it. I just didn't have that connection. You know, and then just waking up one day and I was like, wait, I could, I could do this. Like what's stopping me. It's not complicated. It's not the fact that I don't speak Arab. Like I can learn how to do all of these things. So I think the biggest takeaway from this conversation for me is mindfulness. Yeah. The ability to be mindful in your choices, in your thoughts and in your actions. So knowing that everything that we're doing today within our journey, within our enlightenment is a choice. It's a choice to either choose to be who we are and literally live in our ego or move past that and start to shine on, shine a different light in essence and just be better human beings. I think for me, that's just my biggest takeaway. And within this conversation is seeing that there are people who have the same mindfulness as me. They're just doing it in their own ways. And that's literally the beautiful part of it is there's so many people with just so many different methods and, and just issues and just, we're all different. We all have different minds and thoughts and it's just so beautiful to witness, you know? It's just, it's gorgeous. I love it. I love it. love the energy.
0: Cheese, absolute cheese. <laughs> oh man that was good though <laughs> i agree yeah this is definitely been an interesting conversation it was a lot more agreeing than i thought but decent amount of both sides of the coins being <laughs> argued but um
3: i really i really enjoyed this yeah. by the way let me speak for myself like, i was, just, I, was think, I don't know about you guys but i was just thinking i could actually have one of these like conversations with people like it's amazing because we're all in different sides of the world. But like, we've all come together, we've all just cleared out an hour of our schedule just to have a very enlightening conversation and just to like resonate and to learn and to grow from different perspectives. And I think that that's a very beautiful thing in itself, like just creating that kind of space for like-minded people, very subjective, but at the end of the day, quite like-minded in how, we, how we're how we seeing and perceiving the world. I, I think this is, again, beautiful, quite beautiful. I've really enjoyed this.
0: Yeah. Okay! Wow. You're welcome. I think this went well for the <laughs> first time, right? Pretty decent pilot, I'd say.
2: Oh, fuck yes,
3: yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Producer's happy, okay. i mm-hmm. I'm
0: happy so, you're um, happy, patience.
3: That's what matters. Oh, this this is, this is your, I'm happy that you're happy.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's not really well. I was actually like super nervous yesterday because <laughs> I was like, uh, I think just because like my path right now is like somewhat unconventional um you know like I said kind of grew up Christian and then I was atheist for a little bit but that didn't really that didn't really work for me because I still like did feel like you know the the God calling but just not in any of the forms that I was familiar with and so you know I kind of had to like branch out um but I guess it's just like it's it's uncomfortable doing something that you haven't seen anyone else do before and it's uncomfortable thinking that like (laughs) my family might like call me a witch and think i'm evil for like believing something that doesn't look like what they believe in but then i remember that like it's not about what the belief looks like it's not about the way that i pray it's about those core values that i'm like learning and building on like that's what actually can i say to god so you know kind of hearing this was cool very validating and i yeah thanks for joining me guys i really appreciate it
0: all right (laughs) (laughs)
2: Thank no you for having us. All love.
3: All love.
0: Anytime. Okay. All that. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, we should uh, be signing off. Yeah, we should. Please let us know when
3: it's out so we can, you know. Yeah, of course. Of course. As soon as possible. Lovely. Okay. Oh, it was yeah. lovely talking to you guys. Likewise. You best of luck
2: love with your time. journeys.
3: <laughs> you too. It was see
2: awesome. see you all right. Later. Bye. Adios. Yo. Bye. Bye.